Back in my office on Spadina Avenue, we were visited by Bencher Candidate 2019 Jayashree Goswami, who despite being a dog lover, got along quite well with my cats. An active voice in the legal community, she's held leadership positions with a number of diversity associations and would bring that understanding to convocation. Jayashree, thank you so much for coming in on a Sunday afternoon. It's a pleasure to have you here. Karima, it's very exciting to be here. Thank you for inviting me. The pleasure is mine because I love your platform and I'd like to hear a little bit more about what prompted you to run for the 2019 Bencher election. I'm going to start by talking about a wonderful individual who has inspired me to run for the bencher election this time, and that's my running mate, Isfahan Mirali, who is an incumbent bencher. Isfahan and I have been talking for many years now, and she has been suggesting to me that I should run. And what can I say? She is extremely persuasive. (laughs) (laughs) I am indebted to her. I'm indebted to her mentorship and to her friendship and to her guidance. She is a big influence as to why I'm running today. Aside from Isfahan, there are a couple of reasons why I am running this year. First is, I think convocation has to be more representative of the society that it serves. It's a principle of good governance that you have to properly represent your constituents. And when I look at someone like myself, a woman, someone who's been practicing for less than 15 years, in-house counsel, visible minority. I find that people like myself are not properly represented, unrepresented or underrepresented in convocation. And I think this is a very big problem. The second reason why I'm running is I think boards need to be functional. And I come with the experience. So I've practiced for 12 years. And for all those 12 years, I have kind of had a parallel life where I have engaged in a lot of community work, grassroots advocacy, social advocacy, and I have served on several boards which have given me a lot of experience and insight into policy work, into governance. Most recently, I was part of the Anti-Racism Directorate's advisory board. I was a board of director on the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, and uh, many people in the profession know me as the past president of the South Asian Bar Association, as well as the immediate past chair of the Roundtable of Diversity Associations. I think I come with experience, and I think my kind of experience is necessary as uh, my voice, or a voice like mine, is currently absent from convocation. And the third and final reason is, I think the law society has to do more to connect with the lawyers it regulates and the society it serves. I am tired of lawyers saying things like, we don't know what the law society does. We don't understand what benchers do. Why do we need a law society? It is up to the law society to better connect with lawyers and better connect with society. And one of the ways it can do that is by presenting itself as being more um, current, more approachable. The more representative convocation you have, the easier this task is going to be. So just 
pulling on the notion of representation. I know that there are several perspectives you bring to the table that may not currently exist. And so in-house counsel have historically been underrepresented at convocation. What sorts of challenges do in-house counsel face that are maybe distinct from other legal practitioners? As far as I understand, I don't think there's ever been an in-house counsel at convocation. And I, and I think that is a pity because uh, in-house counsel, we are a growing breed. In-house counsel departments are exploding in numbers in terms of size. Uh, in fact, I am a member of the largest in-house litigation group in the country, one of the largest at least. Uh, we're over 100 litigators. In-house counsel, the challenges that in-house counsel face are uh, they're kind of a hybrid between uh, lawyers and private practice and employees in a corporation. They fall somewhere in the middle. And the law society right now just does not contemplate the uh, needs of in-house counsel. I think there is much to be said on this topic. And I have been part of the Treasurer's Roundtable of Corporate Counsel, and I know that the Law Society has been turning its mind to the insight that in-house counsel can provide, particularly because the one thing you must have as in-house counsel is uh, knowledge of the business of law. In-house counsel are just by virtue of of the needs of their job, they have to bring a business sense and like an everyday business sense uh, to the work they do. This perspective is very, very essential to what convocation does because a lot of what the law society can and should do is delivering on efficiencies and becoming leaner and meaner, so to speak. Having the perspective of in-house counsel who are uh, traditionally ahead of the curve when it comes to using technology, where it comes to thinking of uh, the delivery of services as a business. Uh, I think there is a lot that we have to contribute. How does the Law Society better allocate its resources? What should we be focusing on as our most immediate priorities, do you think? I am pleased to see that there is a lot of agreement among the candidates on what the most pressing issues are. In my view, it's access in general, access to justice, access to legal representation. This is obvious because the law society serves in the interests of the public, but it's also access to the profession and access to corridors of influence. It's also about upward mobility within the profession. And again, that goes back to the whole notion of representativeness in every aspect of our profession. The Law Society has taken some steps in the right direction, but much needs to be done. Resources need to be allocated to enhance access to justice, but also to enhance access to the profession. So building on that, in what ways can the Law Society support more recent calls or individuals who are working on the front line of access to justice? I think mentorship is a a very big missing piece in the puzzle. 
you know, uh, leading by example is very important. It's very important for young lawyers to be able to see themselves reflected in any position that they might want to be in. So that could be uh, in the judiciary, that could be at convocation, that could be on tribunals, that could be senior positions in organizations, in firms, etc. The law society has to signal to the profession that equity and diversity are important. These are priorities of the profession and the law society needs to move to implement some of the recommendations in the racialized licensees report so that it creates an environment which is fertile for for young lawyers for new lawyers and and even for mid-level lawyers to aspire and to succeed we've talked a little bit about your history and background in leadership positions where you've been tasked with being the mouthpiece for a group or an association, in what way can those perspectives be addressed at convocation? I will say this, that the Law Society did a commendable job canvassing the opinions and views of its partner organizations, the essentially the diversity bar associations, during the racialized uh, licensees uh, project, so to speak. If the law society can use that as a model and as a lens to shape its future activities, that will be a step in the right direction. It is very important to keep talking to and keep a line of communication open with diversity bar associations and grassroots organizations that are at the forefront of dealing with whatever issue the law society is contemplating. Sometimes in the past, Uh, What may have happened is that the Law Society may have kind of operated in a way where the views of such organizations weren't included. I don't think that's the way forward. And again, by having people like me at convocation, and not just me, there are so many candidates who are running who represent these interests by having a diverse and a representative convocation, I think that's going to enable the law society to better utilize these channels of communication and build on these liaisons. How do you see social media potentially affecting this year's venture election? Well, I'm hoping that lots and lots and lots of lawyers use social media because <laughs> I think there is a lot of, pardon the, the pun, Twitter on social media on issues that are important uh, in, in this election. As, as I was saying to you before, Karima, for me, it's, it, it's disappointing when I hear lawyers saying that they, they don't know what the law society does, they don't know what the issues are, they cannot be interested. Social media is a great answer there because uh, you can't avoid the, the information and the, the views and the opinions that are being exchanged on social media. So it's a great tool for educating uh, lawyers and for educating our electorate, so to speak. 
So yes, I think social media is playing a big role in this election going forward. And anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you're not on Twitter, if you're not on LinkedIn, if you're not on Facebook, please consider joining because you're missing out on a big part of the conversation. The other advantage, of course, is social media is free. And oh, yes. as in-house, um, you know, presumably the, the cost of campaigning, that's something that you are bearing as an individual. Absolutely. And thank you for raising this, Karima. The Law Society needs to look at how elections are funded, because this, again, goes to access and access to those corridors of influence that I was talking about. Traditionally, we see ventures from large practices. Everyone knows that there is a huge difference in the ability to afford election expenses. This is something that the Law Society absolutely needs to consider. You know, the cost of running a campaign should not deter people from running. Yes, I am uh, funding my own election campaign. It is funds from my Uh, you know, from my family funds. Uh, And so I have to be very mindful of where I spend and how much I spend. And of course, the good thing is it teaches you to be creative. And on that note, I want to commend you, Karima, for doing what you're doing. This is a wonderful platform. You know, it's it's free. And it, it is extremely big of you to be doing this. It's a grand gesture. So thank you for making this easier for people like me. It's my privilege to be sitting here and and conversing with you and with the other people who've participated in this project because everyone carved out time at the very last minute to have their voices heard. And to me, it's just a good illustration of candidates who genuinely care about their platform issues and, and not necessarily the name and nothing else. So... Kudos, I guess. (laughs) Kudos back to you. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, are are there issues that we haven't yet discussed that, you know, any messages to convey to, to someone who might be listening? The message I have for every lawyer who's listening to this podcast is please, please vote. It's very important that you vote, particularly in this election. Go on social media, go on the Law Society website, take some time to educate yourself on the issues that are pressing, because these issues affect everyone. These issues affect society. And as lawyers who have all taken the lawyer's oath, we all owe a duty to the public. So please educate yourself and please get out there and vote. What's at stake if people don't take this election seriously and aren't engaged? Well, if enough lawyers don't vote, then I don't think we have any hope of having a representative or a more representative convocation. We lose the chance of having a regulator that is more current And that is reflective of the issues that concern you. One thing that's come up as far as barriers to entering the profession is the rate of tuition. And it's widely understood that the Law Society does not have control over 
the tuition rates at post-secondary institutions. Unfortunately. <laughs> what are some things that, that can be done to either ease the transition or to support diverse communities from continuing to want to be in law? Because my reading of the status quo, if, if things continue in this direction, uh, it's a profession that's bound to be limited to the wealthy or the few who are fortunate to receive full scholarships and we're going to stagnate in terms of our diversity. You are right that the Law Society does not have the ability to regulate law school fees. So the first kind of entry point where we have to look at fairness and we have to look at what can be done is articling. There are many inequities that beleaguer the articling system today. I do agree with the double path of pursuing articling that the Law Society has endorsed. But a lot more needs to be done. Awareness of systemic bias is essential for every workplace. To see more racialized lawyers getting to the same place as their non-racialized counterparts, we need to address systemic discrimination to make that happen. Racialized lawyers have to have the same opportunity to get similar paying jobs as their non-racialized counterparts. And for this, we need a lot of awareness, we need a lot of work, and we need a lot of advocacy and regulation by the Law Society. So if someone wants to learn more about your campaign, your platform, where should they be looking? Please go to my website. It's jayashrigoswami.com. And I also invite you to go to my Running Mates website, which is www.isfahanmerali.com. Uh, you will learn more about our joint campaigns at either of our websites. Follow me on Twitter, follow me on LinkedIn, and uh, send me an email. And if I run into you at an event, please come up and speak to me. I would love to know your views. I would love to know what makes you tick, and I would love to know what you think the Law Society can do better. Thank you. Venture election aside, you know, I am a pet lover, <laughs> and I understand that you have a dog. What's the scoop? He doesn't uh, think he's a dog. He <laughs> thinks he's human. He's two years old. He's a beautiful German shepherd, and he is the epicenter of my universe. <laughs> uh, as someone who literally shifted offices to bring her cats to work i get it <laughs> you're fabulous and thank you again so much for coming and chatting with me about this i disagree i think you're fabulous well they're not mutually exclusive <laughs> so true. we're okay <laughs> the bencher election 2019 for the law society of ontario takes place from april 15th to 30th if you're out of Ontario, why not look at what's happening in your region? If you know someone who's practicing, see what they're up to. Encourage them to vote. Check me out on Twitter at Karima Rules. <laughs>